Hello everybody and welcome to the Meet the Makers podcast. I'm your host Jack Blanche and right to the left of me as always is Rai Gerbrands. Hello everyone. He's looking at the cameras this time, <laughs> making a point of it. Also apologies, we've got a whole carnival in the background of this uh, this little intro here. But uh, in this episode we just wanted to uh, quickly give our guest a bit of an introduction. His name is Jacques of Coco Caravan and what a lovely man. Indeed, yeah. Um, very interesting podcast. He goes into the ethics, the making, awards, um, yeah. Basically, um, I completely forgot all my questions uh, during this podcast and just was in awe. <laughs> he was just such a lovely man, excellent communicator, speaks five different languages. Um, he's, he's from Holland originally and, and speaks English better than either of us two <laughs> combined. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy. Um, I hope you're ready to be seduced and uh, learn a thing or two about the chocolate that uh, he sells here in the shop uh, and maybe some of the chocolate that you have been eating before in the past. But this uh, episode has actually kind of converted us into eating uh, d- dark chocolate now and, and it tastes great. So, yeah. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Um, so I'm Jacques. Um, I run a chocolate factory here in Stroud called Coco Caravan. And we've been here in Stroud for about five years or so. And since we've come to Stroud, we've had our chocolate here on the shelf at Made in Stroud. And uh, yeah, it's gone really, really well. Uh, people like our, uh, our vegan and uh, yeah, alter- alternative sugar uh, options that we offer and uh, yeah, we get a good footfall here for it. Was it last time I saw you? Um, you were learning Spanish, was it? Or... See, si, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How's that coming along? Uh, slow, slow. Um, I did a year of Spanish uh, because I wanted to go to uh, South America, Central America, and yeah, meet uh, the farmers. A little bit the same as we're doing now. Meet to make. I wanted to meet the farmers, see where my cacao is coming from, what sort of impact we are having socially. And ethically and environmentally and and feed that back to them how much that's appreciated here um so yeah i did a year of spanish i can like i can understand quite a bit because i speak french and german and dutch as well so um it was nice to add that one to it uh, but i could understand quite a bit and then uh the first uh trip to origin as we chocolate makers call that was to belize which is a uh, form of British Honduras where everybody speaks English. So <laughs> yeah. uh, I remember um, last time we had a conversation, I just, that was when you told me, because I didn't know as well, I knew that you were Dutch, um, yeah. but um, I didn't know that you also spoke all these different languages. And it's really fascinating learning about the, the chocolate business because it, it does kind of take you mm-hmm. everywhere. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's... Um, Every day is, is, is different in a way. Either I'm making a different uh, bar of chocolate um, or I'm doing like a web design kind of thing or I'm yeah, talking with uh, with uh, suppliers or potential buyers and um, then I'm on the market for the day. Um, yeah, it's it's constantly different. And um, yeah, that, then language helps in there. And yeah, my whole previous life is a bit like, like that doing many many different things Brilliant. how did you guys meet so yeah we when i started to stay for two years ago yeah. um jacques comes in a lot because as you said you know we sell a lot of his chocolate mm-hmm. um 
so yeah, we met in the shop, and then we've we've formed quite a, a solid friendship, I'd say. Yeah. Um, and we get on pretty well. Have a laugh and a joke, and that we can, you know, we talk about, you know, mm-hmm. all sorts. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, we get on really well, and Jack's product is lovely. And I talk to the customers um, about how your chocolate's actually converted me to dark mm. chocolate because mm. before I just, you know, just try this dark chocolate, it's really bitter and a bit flat. Um, and it's completely changed my perception of what dairy free chocolate can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and people really love to hear how, you know, it's vegan and organic and it doesn't contain refined cane sugar. You use the coconut blossom nectar. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I talk to the customers about that a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the range has expanded as well over that time. Yeah, so it's, it's good. Mm-hmm. W- yeah. Would you like to sort of talk to us about sort of the eureka moment maybe of why you got into chocolate making and what was it that sort of yeah got you into chocolate making? so um turn the clock back to i think the year 2000 uh, as i was starting as an ecologist um i was in the netherlands um started there with a company and working as an ecologist uh setting up department there i started on my own within an engineer's office and then after two years, we were with nine or ten people, and yeah, we were doing really well. And that department is going strong, really, really well. People that are hired, trained, and hired are still there, and it's really nice to see. And then, after five or six years in that role, I decided that we should try a new adventure. Let's move to Australia uh, because my partner Patricia, uh, she's Australian, and we wanted our kids to have a bit of an Australian upbringing as well. So we moved to Australia and we were there for um, also about five years. And there as well, I worked as an ecologist uh, for a company. And um, towards like a year before, before we moved back to the UK, um, I damaged my knee quite badly. Right. And uh, that meant that uh, my ecology role um, had changed enormously I couldn't go outside um, maybe my boss could have been a bit more supportive uh, about that but yeah he didn't so um, I was just at home in pain with busted knee luckily he did uh, do that because like it left me like okay I've now done this twice built up something up really nice uh, for someone else and I'm in pain and tatters and uh, and and I don't really have anything now. So um, for weeks, I was just really stressed and couldn't sleep, insomniac. And then, yeah, at one point, middle of the night, 3 a.m. or so, I just had a thought, you know what? I'm just going to make chocolate. I'm just going to make uh, little round chocolates with nuts and caramel. And I just, boom, I just passed out. I just fell asleep. The best ideas always happen then, don't they? Yeah. When you're half awake and... Yeah. Yeah. So it just really came to me, and then and the next morning I woke up and I was like, "Whoa, I had a really good night's sleep. That hadn't happened for weeks, and that felt really good. Let's just try this." So I went to the shops, got some uh, some kit, um, really minimal investment, and just tried making some chocolate and come up with the recipes that I was dreaming about. And yeah, people loved it, brought it to market, 
did really well, was actually making more money than I was doing in my college job. And um, yeah, and then I just continued that. The ecology side picked up a little bit because my knee, my knee was reconstructed and I could go out in the field again. And um, but then after 12 months or so, Patricia said, OK, um, let's move back to the UK. I'm kind of like tired of the constant heat and um, yeah, going to Australia for holidays is, is really nice. Living there, paying tax and working is very different. Um, so we came back to the UK and I said, OK, we'll go to the UK, but I'm not going to start back in ecology again. Now I'm just going to do my own thing, and my own thing is going to be Coco Caravan. Nice. And that was in 2013. I love how something that seemed so disastrous at the time can turn into something so beautiful. That was like yeah. before I started here, the job I was working in didn't work out. I thought for a day it was the end of the world. Yeah. And then now I'm far happier yeah. doing what I'm doing. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. It's interesting. We also we because we also have a relative who who um, lives in Brisbane as well, mm. and um, it, and is probably actually listening to this as well. So I hey, would imagine hey, yeah. so. She's quite excited <laughs> about that. Yeah. But yeah, we we get the um, the the whole. She's married uh, an Australian man there, mm. and uh, yeah, we're hearing about the kind of regulations and things like that. Yeah, going to Australia is beautiful. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but but living and working there yeah. from coming from another country is a whole, other a whole other experience but it was more uh what i came to understand is that you can work really hard in any company or any situation and if you're not self-employed it still has a bit of an effect but if you're working in a big company or in a small company or at, at, at the council uh, you work really hard you do your views are really good and some clown up in another office 50 miles away comes up with a new way how to run things and that means your job's gone yeah. and yeah you've worked there 15 years really well and you have all your friends there it's like well sorry you're going here's a bit of money bye and um yeah i didn't want to have that lose that sort of uh i, I wanted to have that control myself yeah if yeah, i yeah. want to stop making chocolate it's going to be my decision yeah yeah Tell me a little bit about well, I already know this, but because um, uh, we've we've come and visited your, I've forgotten the proper name for it. The chocolate studio. The studio. There yeah. you go. Oh, such a cool name. Um, very appropriate name for it as well. Um, we came and visited your studio back when you first pitched this project to me, yeah. and um, we came in and we saw everything that you were doing. It's like a fantastic little uh, studio that you've got in your back garden as yeah. well. I remember when it happened, your um, your daughters were over the moon because you could finally get a cat. <laughs> yeah, Because exactly. you couldn't have any pets in the house, obviously, because yeah. of, um, you know, hygiene. Yeah, yeah. So having the studio in the garden, they were like, we can finally get a cat, yeah. which well, is really sweet. Well, not just hygiene for, for the customers, but also hygiene for the cat. Because I remember when we came and visited the studio, yeah. like, as soon as you opened the door, the atmosphere was just thick with this really like <laughs> chocolatey yeah, obviously yeah. chocolatey kind of aroma yeah and it was like cat like if we're washing things up in the kitchen and there's chocolate somewhere i've never seen a cat go for that <laughs> you got to talk to the dog owners for that yeah, just yeah, go yeah. for my anything dog, my dog we have to really be careful with chocolate yeah he'll, he'll try and eat it yeah yeah also i remember as well so when you were building the yeah. studio it was december 
Yeah. And so you had all the Christmas markets. Yeah. All of your wholesale suppliers yeah. were their, you know, their sales were massively up because it's Christmas, yeah. and you were building the chocolate studio. Yeah. I just, I was like, he's mad. How yeah. is he going to do all of this? And you did. <laughs> yeah. But it was, yeah, it was insane amount of work. So I thought, okay, we'll start. So in October, so we've got like Halloween and things like that. People mm-hmm. are gearing up for it, and then thinking maybe, okay, I can get something for for Christmas and things like that, and then. Uh, if I would have done it later, then I would have like come across with my Easter egg uh, season. Of which that's when we visited <clears throat> your studio. That yeah, was incredible. Yeah, so this year we did seventy-five thousand Easter eggs. So that's uh, one hundred and fifty thousand half eggs because we do two halves together. Um, yeah, that's a big job. So yeah. I I wanted to make sure that I was in there by um, by early January. Yeah, and we and we did. So, yeah, right. it's exciting. Tell yeah. us, tell us a bit about that actually, because um, obviously we've spoken a lot about your uh, your history and and how it's just kind of like it's just snowballing at the moment. It's it's really happening at yeah. the moment. Yeah. And um, when we came and saw you, you were telling us about your process of how you were making the Easter eggs and. Yeah. Um, but um, for anyone listening, you know, how do you go about making say a 150,000 how many was it 150,000 150,000 yeah. half eggs yeah and things like that so um yeah get up early that's that's one thing and and just stay focused um i'm just um when i started doing them i just had a, 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 i think 10 molds uh so with the, with the cavities where the chocolate goes in first and you just get better in it and more efficient at it and um yeah, and every day basically for Easter, the for the Easter run, that's just four months. That's basically all we do: make, make, make. So we we get a few new like little equipment things that that can help us, because before I was just using a um, like a piping bag, so that's like a plastic uh, triangle shaped bag, and with the caramel in there and by hand, you kind of like uh, drip the caramel into each cavity before you close it off um so now we've got a new machine for that that (laughs) will you should come and have a look yeah um so that will help us enormously um but yeah it's just long days basically it's all handmade there's there's of course machines that can can do that but those machines are like a hundred thousand uh and yeah, I need a bigger studio for that. I'm not ready for a new crowdfunder yet. So well, there's also a part of you, I suppose, that likes doing it by hand as well. I imagine. Um. Yeah. Yeah. No. Of course. It's it's really nice to see to come uh to 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 come to the point where you just see like the massive amount that you've produced, and then the, the chocolate studio is absolutely full with like boxes, and then UPS comes. And just takes everything, or and the then Easter it's like, bunny. and <laughs> or the Easter Bunny, yeah. UPS brings it to the Easter Bunny, uh-huh. and he because the Easter Bunny delivers, they don't collect. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, that was adorable. <laughs> <laughs> I, need a, I need a minute. <laughs> um, so anyone that's tried your chocolate, yeah, will know that it's very unique. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about the process of making without sort of I know there's trade secrets about <laughs> process and order of yeah, the yeah. way things that go in. So obviously, maybe don't 
don't talk about that, but just yeah. sort of how you actually make it from scratch and you mm. say, you know, when you get the beans and so on. Yeah. Well, the, the trade secret is it's really hard work. Yeah. So uh, I'm never too worried when people go like, oh, and now someone figured out how you temper chocolate. Uh, it's like, yeah, there's plenty of YouTube videos for that. So, mm. um, so basically what I've done when I started, I wanted to make a healthier option uh, of chocolate. So working with coconut nectar or coconut sugar. And... Um, but I tried many vegan and raw chocolates before, and a lot of them were actually quite disappointing. They were too gritty, they lacked flavor. So I set myself on the path where I use traditional uh, chocolate making techniques, uh, but apply a vegan and uh, ethical uh, ethos to it. So, so when we start, let me start with the cacao the the bean to bar i mean yeah. that's i think the the best one so first um we don't buy commodity cacao commodity cacao is yeah like two 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 twenty a kilo something like that for the cacao beans that little yeah that wow. little and uh, we know that farmers can't really survive on that so my cacao beans go from anywhere between seven up to twelve thirteen uh, pounds a kilo and that's raw product so when people ask me it's like well why is yours expense so expensive is yeah because my raw materials are four times more expensive yeah. than what you find in any supermarket so I source the beans uh, directly from the farmers and I look for like um, uh, ethical projects that are behind there how do they support the farmers in terms of education transport uh, drying fermentation facilities and things like that and uh, and environmentally so how are they grown um of course organic so yeah. or i will lean to like a farm that's in transition because that takes a couple of years yeah and looking for farms that have like they use a type of farming called agroforestry okay where they work with the forest and the cacao so and they merge the two together so you have the canopy trees because cacao likes to have shade okay. and they use native trees to provide that shade. So you just have a forest with cacao in it, how it will naturally grow. Great. So, um, so then when the cacao comes to me, uh, first we get samples and I yeah, try the, the crack the beans open and in the inside you've got the nibs. And just smell them, taste them, and see what sort of flavors they're already there. And then from there, I make a first 100% uh, chocolate. Right. So just take the nibs out and start grinding them. So we're taking the nibs out by winnowing them. So you've seen the machine with, with the vacuum cleaner and the grinder and, and the converted champion juicer on top. So that cracks the beans open and takes the shells off. Mm. And the shells we set aside because we don't want to throw anything away. We use that as our cacao tea. Mm -hmm. don't know if you've tried the cacao tea. I think yeah, we've got it. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and then the nibs, we make sure that there's no more shells in there. And then I refine them again through another champion juicer. And it then becomes like a paste. And that paste goes into the grinder. So they're like big stones. So I've got a few different ones and larger ones. 
So with the large ones, these round millstones, they're about four or five kilos each. There's two of them in there, and they crush the uh, the nibs up. And that will take time. It's about after like two hours, you've got a nice runny paste. For about four or five hours, it starts to become really nice and smooth. And after about six or seven hours, it looks like a really dark chocolate drink almost. Um, so for example, with the Arawako, where we work with the Arawako Indians uh, from Colombia, uh, they're the um, indigenous pe people from uh, the Sierra Nevada in Colombia. And they make an amazing bean, and the bean is so amazing that like after that stage of grinding it for a good uh, nine to 12 hours, um, then basically the chocolate is finished. We don't temper it and pour it. We don't add, I don't add any butter or any uh, coconut sugar to it. So it's a really smooth 100%. And um, yeah, we won an international chocolate award, golden medal last year. This year we picked up a golden award for the... Um, Congratulations. Thank yeah. you for the uh, organic international organic award. Um, but with some chocolates, like for uh, some cacaos, like the Lachua from Guatemala, <clears throat> that comes from uh, Laca Lachua, which is a lake, uh, which is a nature reserve in um, very big. It's a UN uh, sanctioned or UN appointed Ramsar site. And the people that live there around the lake, they grow cacao as well. It's really spe special. It's like a the, the earth there is just really special and creates this really strong, fruity cacao. Uh, Guatemalan cacao is often very fruity, but with this one, it's so fruity, people ask me if I've put raspberries in there. And um, so I had to tone that down because, yeah, if I keep that in as 100%, that just like, that's potent. So I toned it down to, um, to a 70%. And so with a bit of cacao butter and some coconut sugar. So so that's how I come to like determine what sort of percentages I put to it. So because percentage that means how much cacao is in the chocolate. Um, then after the grinding, when it's the chocolate is smooth and the coconut sugar goes in, that needs another 10 hours of grinding or conching where the chocolate is just aerated and you lose a lot of the acidity and yeah, a lot of flavor is developed at that point. And then once it's smooth enough, then it goes into a different machine, my tempering machine. And that's where um, we warm the chocolate up to 42 degrees. So that all the fat crystals that are in cacao, and this is a bit the technical bit. Mm -hmm. um, Keep going on. I'm yeah. like all ears. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so there's a, like seven different, seven or eight different cacao crystals, fat crystals in cacao. And um, if I just pour it out of the grinder and put it in the top to, so I can deal with it later, um, and I come back like 24 hours later, it's still soft. And sometimes it's still liquid in the center. Uh, when I temper it, I warm it up to 42 degrees and then uh, I will cool it down to about 32 degrees. And at that point, I can pour it onto a marble slab. So that's a large, flat, stone, cold surface. And then I start agitating it. So And what that does, it cools down the temperature quickly from about 
32 to 28 and a half. And if, when it's at that point and I've agitated enough, I put it back into my tempering machine and then stir it through the rest of the chocolate and warm it up to about 31 and a half. Um, then the chocolate is nice and liquid and then I can start working with it. If I then, uh, so what I've done there, I've like tampered with that little one fat crystal that sits in the middle of when they are all setting. Um, so I've tampered with that one so that it kind of locks into each other. I often compare it with a magnet. So you've got a piece of raw iron and you bang it, then you heat it and then you bang it in a certain way that every iron metal uh, ion is pointed north. It's the same as with chocolate. You kind of like stirred it and agitated it during that cooling down process so it all locks. Then I pour it into a mold and set it down for about three, five minutes and it's completely solid. It will pop out. And that's actually, the for me, it's one of the most rewarding moments as a chocolate maker. So I've done all the... the the selection and the winnowing and the um, and the cleaning of the nibs, then the grinding and the tempering. That's a process of about three days. And then they go into the molds and then they sit into a mold. All the machines are off. And because when chocolate is well tempered, it will go shiny and it will go snappy when you break it. But it also shrinks a little bit. So if it's not okay. tempered, then you won't get it out of the molds clean and you'll be washing your molds or hammer and chisel. <laughs> <laughs> but when it tempered well and everything is just sitting there, setting there, you just hear little noises like ting, 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 ting. They just pop out of the molds, really. And How it's, satisfying. Yeah, and like finally everything's clean because all the loud machinery is off and, and that's the machines that you, the, the, the little noises that you hear. It's, yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Something our customers, I think, will quite like as well. So uh, many of them will know Kim Francis. Yeah. Um, she's quite uh, renowned yeah, in the area yeah. for doing hand-picked tattoos. Yeah. And she designed your moulds, right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, when first time I came across Kim was when I saw some of her sculpture work. And I really re was intrigued with how she works with organic shapes, with organic material, stone. Um, and then with organic shapes and that. So I knew I wanted to work with her. And then I just, I think at a yoga session where we were doing a charity yoga event and um, I bumped into her and um, yeah, we, we had a good good rapport, I think. And um, then when it came to making this bean to bar, I thought, okay, we're gonna put so much energy into doing this right. Let's do this right with the, with the bar as well. So. We worked together on it and she designed then um, this, this ripple effect through through chocolate and yeah, it was yeah absolutely amazing. Every time when it comes out really nicely, I'm really happy about it. Wonderful. There's so many things I want to <laughs> pick up on and, and just like expand upon a little bit, yeah. but it's, it's very difficult not to kind of be for lack of a better word, seduced by the whole process <laughs> and, and just hearing about it as well. Um, I know that because after we visited you, obviously, yes, seeing it was, was incredible, but yeah. I think you did a very good job of, of talking about it there and it's like I was just along for the ride for a little bit and I completely forgot my question. Um, <laughs> but um, I think it's the one point that I wanted to, to um, 
but maybe not a point necessarily, but an observation. Mm. It's it's like very interesting how you've kind of stuck to your guns on on the kind of chocolate that you want to make. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> you um, you were also willing to kind of hear what people were saying about your chocolate after they had tasted it, and you said mm. like, okay, maybe a hundred percent isn't isn't enough. Maybe we'll bring it down a little bit yeah. and down to seventy. It's it's like you have not only stuck to your guns and made something that you are proud and proud of making and also tastes good to you, but you're also willing to hear what people who are who are buying from you and who, yeah. who are your customers and what they think and trying to improve the chocolate so it tastes better, basically. And it's just very admirable. Yeah, uh, thank you. So so when we design the recipes, that's, that's a nice, lonely process i often do that on my own where i because at some point you start to know how you can work with a certain project or with a certain like raw product um when i already have like the nibs and i just can just smell when i open up the bag i just know okay this is going to work in this kind of way and they're kind of like a lot of steps after that are confirming that and um i know that you know certain yeah beans will work really well as a high percentage one and others will as a low a lower percentage one um like 70 or even like we've done a few we've got me on a shelf where we work with oat milk so the, the beans are so nice and chocolatey that uh yeah let's start adding adding other things to it like oat milk yeah mm. yeah uh, i started drinking oat milk before i stopped yeah. eating meat and it was just yeah. it just tastes so much better That's... yeah um, sorry, that was my own little tangent there. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> I had to cut that off quite quickly. <laughs> something, um, something, say, that sells very well um, in the shop for us um, is the plums. Yeah. And people will buy it instead of wine for dinner parties. Yeah. Um, and then the other fruits obviously sell very well, so the dates are probably just as popular, and the figs as well. I mean, the the plums are a personal favourite, so that's yeah, why I yeah. put them first. Um, but there's also something quite interesting about the source of the figs. Yeah. Um, so what I do with the figs, like um, like we all know figs, uh, like those big, um, dried, flattened, squished, um, and and they're amazing. They're, don't get me wrong, but um, I came across these ones when I was in Australia. And they're from Iran. They're Iranian desert figs. And um, they're just a lot smaller. And they're also often referred to as baby figs. And and they're a bit harder. So what I do to soften them up a little bit, I just dip them in my caramel. So the Easter eggs I fill with caramel, uh, which I make with cashewnut and coconut and coconut sugar. So but. I dip these in, in caramel so the fig goes a little bit softer and then it goes into chocolate. And well, the figs are like, yeah, ridiculously expensive to work with. But, but yeah, it's just, yeah, so many people love them. So, uh, so yeah, we just continue making them. Um, but yeah, it's just a really great, great way of showing like an, an, a different origin around. And um, yeah, getting some product product from there. When we first started making them, because they're like sometimes they're a bit hollow, um, so we have to yeah just really dip them deep in the chocolate. 
but when we first started making we were injecting them with uh with the caramel so i have a little syringe but yeah we stopped doing that that mm. was too much work so when i first came to cardiff when we started um i had i didn't have the bean to buy range yet i was then just making with uh, coconut nectar and cacao butter cacao powder um because that was just yeah also a it was good chocolate to make and b i didn't need like huge machineries yet um so we started in 2013 we had the our date and caramel caramel i already developed in australia um date and caramel uh, date and caramel we sent that into the great taste award um it arrived there completely crushed and that was the feedback as well it's like yeah it was there completely crushed and so it crushed as in uh, like and smashed shipping such a pain. and shipping is such a pain but they said they absolutely loved it and they still gave me a star wow so that was my great first great taste award um yeah after that uh many came uh the plums have got uh, a great taste award um, the uh, Latour's got a great taste award. And then um, I started entering, when I started with the Bean to Bar, I started entering them in the, um, into the chocolate awards as well. Like, yeah, I said about the, uh, the Arawako. But yeah, the Latour has got a, a, a medal, and so it's got the Selva, Tabasqueño from Mexico. And... And yeah, the Latour was a really nice one as well. That was in uh, 2018 when uh, we went to Leipzig. Normally, in normal times. Leipzig go, in? In Germany. We go to uh, a chocolate festival called Eurobean there. And there's like, um, I think about 25 different chocolate makers, that um, real craft makers. So not Cadbury's or anything. But yeah, really small to big. Uh, bean to bar chocolate makers and we put this one in into the competition there so that's a jury that uh, will judge the chocolate and yeah we picked up first prize there as well amazing which was yeah that was really really something well like um i'm just remembering what rye said uh, at the beginning of the podcast you now exclusively eat dark chocolate or this has converted you (laughs) yeah there's anyone listening right now who perhaps has been brought up on Cadbury's and Nestle and yeah. spent their, their life eating that sort of chocolate and they were interested in picking up a bar of your one. What would be a good kind of introductory product of yours? Um, well, I'd say start off with the plums. Okay. That's because uh, that's a really nice one to, to have and share. If you want to explore a bit more like the different varieties of cacao, um, I would say try uh, some of the uh, the eighty percent the Selva Tabas Kenya. Oh, this one here. Yeah, this one there. Uh, because it it's still got some nice sweetness to it, and but it's also nice and dark. Um, but there, there's many more. I've just came with a new Jamaican one, which is a seventy-two percent. Uh, we're going to start working with some more Ecuadorian. So it's constantly changing. There's constantly new things coming. Um, with people that are like um, just born up and uh, brought up with like your normal chocolate, and normal chocolate has got a place in society as well. It's like, uh, without them, we wouldn't be doing anything. Um, but there is just a lot of other ingredients in there that don't have to be in good chocolate. 
a lot of sugar, a lot of milk products. Um, if you look at a lot of chocolate, yeah, it, it barely touches the 30% of cacao. And I always say, actually, the, the cacao is in there only for color, not for flavor, because it's like milk and sugar that you're eating. Mm. So a lot of people kind of expect that when they're eating chocolate, so they're often surprised. Um, often I see with kids on a market stall, parents say, it's like, oh, you won't like it, that's bitter chocolate. And it's like, well, you know, just, just have it a go. Just give it a go. Let them try. I've seen children go for for like the 70s. It's like, oh, yeah, I quite like that. Yeah, and my son seven. And when he was six, he tried, what's the yellow one? Begins the chuncha. Loves it. Yeah. Absolutely loves it. Yeah. And um, like before Corona, we were still sampling. I like encourage kids, so learn, try. Just, just see what the, something different is about and some of these kids they just go right up to like an 80 percent of selvatribus kenya no problem the 100 percent yeah sometimes still a bit challenging but uh but for a lot of people it's like oh wow that's just intense but it's amazing brilliant so what's next then for you i mean obviously you've like we said earlier the snowball has just continued yeah. to get bigger as it's rolling down rolling up the hill for you yeah, yeah. and um, so yeah. what's what is the next step you so have? the next step is um we're changing our recipe for uh our easter eggs a little bit we're starting before i was working with coconut nectar i'm going to start working with coconut sugar and start grinding that in i've got larger grinders now so that that's one thing that we're going to do um it's going to be a little bit darker and just i think the chocolate will be be nicer they both are very nice but i think for the easter eggs you see they're so thin um having that extra bit of darkness to it will be will be an improvement so that's that's coming um yeah this easter then uh, we start playing with some new beans so i mentioned the ecuadorian ones are coming in I'm hopeful that we're going to do more things with Belize so because they've got such amazing cacao beans and amazing stories behind them so really want to get that more on the map um, also there's a bit of like yeah colonial uh, history there so I think we kind of owe it to uh, to Belize to do really good business with them so that the people there uh, can continue to build on their community. Um, so I really would like to do more with Belize. So that that that's going to be an exciting project. Um, Very exciting. Yeah. What else we're going to make? Um, so we're also going to play with uh, maybe some truffles. So we're going to get some new molds to make our own truffles. Um, so they're like little chocolate shells. Yeah. which we can then fill with um, some of our own, like also vegan, also sugar-free um, uh, recipes and then, yeah, put them in a box. Or... That's very yeah, yeah, please. Like, <laughs> if, you, if you need a guinea pig, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. please. The, the, but yeah, before, that's also an interesting question. Yeah. How are you not sick of chocolate yet? <laughs> uh, if you make something good, you won't get sick of it. Yeah, brilliant. I've, I've, I've spoken to people that have worked in chocolate factories and they say, okay, you can eat as much as you like and you get a really good discount at the factory shop. And um, yeah, for three days they eat a lot and then they will not touch the stuff anymore. 40 years later, it's like, no, still can't handle it. 
and that's because it's so high in sugar, high in milk, and 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 all of that. You just it's just sickening. With chocolate, if you get good chocolate, then yeah, you'll you'll get a nice chocolate buzz from it, and you don't get sick sick from it. Brilliant. So one one last thing that always excites me is when makers collaborate together. Yeah. So you've done a collaboration with Ritual Coffee. Yeah. Courtney and Callum. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. They they were awesome and um, just really passionate about what they do and kind of the same kind of ethos when it comes to where to, where they get their coffee beans from. And um, yeah, that works really really nice to to combine that. So. I used their Brazilian uh, coffee, so they roast them, and then, um, yeah, I just put them through the grinder uh, with uh, with my chocolate, and, yeah, it's such a rich experience. So I added a little bit of Scottish oat milk just to give it a bit of creaminess to it, and, yeah, it came out really, really nice. nice. Yeah, so um, you touched very briefly upon the... Um Upon the the uh, the way Cadbury's make make their chocolate in terms mm. of less cacao, more milk, more sugar, um, and obviously there's some sort of kind of ethical questions that come about there. It's like where is this really coming from, and and why is cacao? Well, yeah, tell us a bit more about the ethics of putting putting more cacao in your chocolate and where it comes from and all that. So. Um Traditionally, cacao uh, comes from Central and South America. That's where it's been for, for millennia, and that's also where it's been farmed for millennia. Um, so when uh, early Europeans came to the continent and saw the, the potential of cacao, they started bringing it to um, yeah closer to Europe, so in Africa. So they've got a really strong colonial history with it, um, which is not all great, but also continuing on today uh, because the commodity prices are so low and it's it's almost impossible to farm and make a living with those kind of rates. So what happens is there's a lot of illegal farming, like they just go into a, a nature reserve, cut it down and put cacao trees there. Uh, also, the workers, um, yeah, there's some really horrendous things. There's about like over a million and a half child slaves in, your, in the Ivory Coast and in Ghana. And yeah, I'm just not okay with that for just a bit of chocolate here. That's just ridiculous. I mean, there, there's a lot of great product projects there as well where they're working with small communities and things like that. But the majority of it for that sort of pricing, and you can see that price, um, this is what's happening. So to do it ethically, we work a lot more direct with the farmers. So um, with Penny Cacao in Belize, where it's yeah, much more working with local community, where it's working with the Arawako community or, or with the uh, Guatemalan communities, they get a really fair price, which is sometimes double from what the normal farm gate price would be. Um, the great thing is, like if you want the cheapest, you will get the cheapest. So you'll get rocks and feathers and stones and sticks and, and everything else in a bag of cacao. So you need we, we would need to hand sort it anyway. Um, often the fermentation process, because they fermented at the farm, that's really where a lot of quality of the cacao has been put in. So if you have a farmer that re 
takes real pride and care and time for that process and you pay him really well for that you get a lot better beans whereas in africa often they're not even fermented they're just out of the pulp straight dried and in a bag and onto the massive heap and and yeah to to europe so we're hoping that like it's people are trying this and tasting wow this is very different from what i normally have and it's like yeah because there's so much time care and yes money has gone into it and yeah we make a i think superior quality uh chocolate um that way so yeah. yeah it's not like you've just decided that i'm going to charge a little bit more for this because i feel like it's no no it's it there's actually a method to it and yeah, and yeah. there's there's genuine value yeah. in yeah. in the product yeah and ethical reasoning yeah, yeah no exactly so uh, it's also of course uh scale um like i buy my cacao for uh let's say eight eight pounds a, a kilo or my cacao beans for eight pounds a kilo um so i only buy like a few bags instead of a container load so it will cost me more expensive to ship it also we make small batches of them so it can put real care in them so um, they're batches of like 100 bars 150 bars at a time um so also yeah i get smaller quantities in packaging so uh yeah larger factories will get theirs printed in china maybe for half a penny uh, a piece we get them printed here locally and then yeah they're they're a lot more than that i can tell you that so it's also about scale. That's also why it's all a bit more expensive, of course. Oh, no, I think but but people that try it and come back to it, they are absolutely fine with uh, with that. Well, they come back to it. Yeah. If you want to have a drink, and yeah, you can go to the one and a half liter, two pound cider from your local shop. <laughs> no, exactly. I'm not, I'm not a fan. <laughs> or you can say, oh, you know what, I'm just going to the local wine shop or I'll go here and I'll yeah, grab a, a, a 16, uh, 16 pounds, 12, 16 or 20 pounds. Yeah, it's a lot of money, but um, yeah, then I really get to enjoy it. Yeah, you have a whole better experience. Yeah. yeah. Jacques, I could talk to you all day and I really want to come and visit your studio when things settle down again yeah. um, obviously with everything going on I don't want to date this episode but um, mm -hmm. if anyone wants to get in touch with you or, or um, where's the best place to find you basically so uh, best place to find me is online uh, if you're far away um, so cococaravan.co.uk or .com they both work um, we've got shops that sell our chocolate all around the UK, but it, now because we're working with the larger distributors, Suma and Infinity Whole Foods, uh, it goes far and wide. I see people posting, it's like, hey, I've been on holiday, well, that was pre-corona, <laughs> in, in Malta, and, and here's your chocolate. No I've come on the airport in, uh, in Reykjavik, and there's your chocolate. How is this Amazing. possible? It's like, I don't know, you have to talk to Suma for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it goes far and wide, and yeah, we. I post uh, quite a bit of, uh, of our chocolate or also for, for cooking purposes, so we do have that. Um, wow, I haven't even thought about that. 
brave new world. Yeah, uh, and of course here in shopping main in Stroud, um, because yep, and, our, and our web shop as well. Yeah, you've got so it in your web shop. Yeah, and we sell a lot of it in yeah. the shop itself on yeah. Kendrick Street. Yeah. Man, thank yeah. you, thank you again so much for coming down, Jacques. And um, yeah, well, like I said, I was completely taken away by. I just completely <laughs> forgot all my questions and just. <laughs> was just listening. You're an excellent communicator Thank and you. Um, an excellent shopping maker as well. Thank Thanks you. for joining us. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Jack. Thank you.